studying this book a few weeks back, uh, and uh, I think this book uh, that the Apostle Paul writes from a Roman jail cell, uh, he writes to encourage the saints at Philippi. And that's critically important because uh, Paul, in the midst of his predicament, in the midst of his incarceration, didn't allow, amen, the incarceration to get on the inside of him. He was concerned about the church, and he made sure that he shared a word of encouragement with this church. And so we talked about that first chapter where he had a single mind. He, he was focused so intently on what God's word, amen, was sent to do. He was focused intently on making sure that the furtherance of the gospel did not cease because he was sitting in a Roman jail. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but if I'm incarcerated, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I would hope that I would, but I don't know if my mind could be so single focused that I didn't care about my circumstance. I was just focusing on making sure the word got preached. And so that was Paul's issue here. Uh, at, that was his predicament. He, he was single minded so much so that he allowed, amen, uh, his, his ministry to continue while he was in jail. So in Philippians chapter number two, let's begin our reading at verse number 12. I'm, I'm going to ask you to follow along with it. The text says this, dear friends. You always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Watch this. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. The KJV says work out your salvation. We'll talk about that in just a second. Verse number uh, 13 with me says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what he pleases. I want to read that one more time. For God is working in you. Say working in me. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Verse 14, let's go. It says what? Do everything without complaining and arguing. My, 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 my. So that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. I'm going to read that again. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. We're going to stop our reading right there, right there at that verse there because I want to, as we look at this second chapter of the book of Philippians, we've been, the, the, the original title is Joy in Serving, but I want to, I want to, I want to focus in on this uh, verse that we just read and I'm going to talk about shining the light. Everybody say shine the light. Say it one more time. Say, shine the light. I want you to understand that God, amen, wants us to shine the light. Put put that verse back up one more time. Let's focus on that real intently this morning because during this time of turmoil, during this time of of, of fear running rampant across this country, during this time of of, of pestilence and and disease that's, that's running rampant, God wants us as a church not to walk in fear. Last week we told you we have to learn to overcome our fears, right? Overcome our fears. And as we're overcoming those fears, there is something that the church has to make sure that it focuses in on. He says this so that no one can criticize you, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining. Repeat that with me. Say shining. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Now let's, 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 let's unpack some of this right quick. Mark Twain once wrote, few things are harder to put up with than the annoyance of a good example. I'm going to read that to you one more time. It says, few things are harder to put up with than the annoyance of a good example. Perhaps the most annoying thing about a good example is, is its inability to accomplish the same achievements in our own lives. Admiration for a great person can inspire us, but it cannot empower us. I think that bears repeating. Admiration for a great person can inspire us, but it cannot empower us. Unless that person can enter into our lives and share his skills, we can't accomplish the same thing that that person we admire accomplished. Now, many, many of y'all are, are, are sports uh, you know, fanatics, or you follow your favorite football team, or you follow your favorite basketball team. I remember growing up, you know, following different uh, uh, NBA stars and NFL stars, and, and you, you admire the skill set that they displayed. You know, the Tom Brady's of the world. You know, I'm not a really a New England Patriots fan. As a matter of fact, New England was so successful uh, over the, the, the last period, a number of years, that, that they also actually became somewhat hated because of their success. 
And I didn't like New England, but you know what? I had to admire Tom Brady for his skill set and the way he was able to lead his team to victory. It was no doubt in, in some of these Super Bowls when they got the ball, amen, uh, with, uh, with one minute left on the clock, amen, the fourth quarter. It was no doubt in most people's mind that Tom Brady was behind center. The Patriots are going to win, and more times than not, they won. But guess what? You can admire Tom Brady, but how many of you know most of us, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm not even going on. All of us that are part of the family of faith of EBC probably couldn't do the same thing that Tom Brady did. He was an example of a, a proficient quarterback. But just because you got that good example, don't necessarily mean that you've been empowered to do the very same thing. How many of y'all admires of Michael Jordan during his play days? How many of y'all admires of Kobe Bryant? Those guys had skill sets. Come on, guys. That they had skill sets that that were beyond not, but beyond what we would consider to be natural. It was almost supernatural, so to speak. But even though they had those skill sets, we may exactly admire them. They were an example of what it means to work hard and be a good basketball player. Even though you may have wanted to, even though you may have limit, emulated them out on the court, you couldn't do the very same thing that they did. But I want you to listen to me very careful because you got a good example, but that example, that person that you may be admiring can't empower you to do the very same thing. Even when it comes to ministry, guys, there, there are many pastors and and ministry leaders who see God working in powerful ways in the church across town, and they try to imitate what they see. Go to a conference and see things that, have, that, that some other church is doing, but that may not necessarily be what God is empowered you to do. I remember when we were young teenagers, and we would, uh, how many of y'all used to watch wrestling? How many of y'all used to believe that wrestling was real? Come on now. You couldn't have told me that Mid-South wrestling wasn't real. And so much so that we, we as young teenagers would get out in the yard and try to put the figure four leg lock on somebody. Uh, we, we would get out there in the yard, and it was probably dangerous. We didn't, we didn't really know it, but we would put the power drive on somebody. And even we would follow the spoiler, and, and, and we, I can remember very vividly uh, Gary Johnson, some of my, my uh, guys we play, uh, played around with during the neighborhood, we would, we would follow what was going on on Mid-South Wrestling. We would come and try to put that on each other. And I can remember very vividly one time we, uh, you know, the spoiler would put the claw on your head and then blood would come out sometimes. So we decided we were going to put that on Tommy Ray Johnson's head. And we put a rock inside of the glove and put the claw on his head. And he, he let us do it at first because he thought we were just joking around. But we had a rock on the inside because we were trying to emulate what we saw. Guys, sometimes examples that we see, you know, we can see somebody do it, but we, we're not, that example doesn't necessarily empower us to do it. It takes more than an example on the outside, guys. Let me say it again. It takes more than an example on the outside. It takes power on the inside. Everybody say power. Come on, say it loud. We say power on the inside. Paul here in our text had just presented Jesus Christ as our great example in the exercise of the submissive mind. He talked about the fact that Jesus left the privileges of glory and came down here on earth to be born in a manger in Bethlehem. That very same Jesus, a man who, who we love, who, who we invite to come into our heart to save us, he was born in a manger in Bethlehem. He always existed because in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And the scripture says the word became flesh and dwelt among men. That very same Jesus who had, who had, who was God himself, but yet he did not count his privilege in heaven as something that he would hold on to selfishly. He decided to pour, he meant to pour out of himself to come down here to offer us himself as a sacrifice for us. He's our example. It takes power on the inside. So, so, so Paul here, when we read it and we agree with what Paul is saying about Jesus Christ as our example, but how do we go about practicing, amen, what our example did? Christ is our example in this Christian life. How do we go about practicing? And in this section of the chapter, Paul is setting before us the divine pattern for the submissive mind and the divine power to accomplish what God has commanded. Now, now, why is this important? Even as we look at what's happening in our world today. We read that, that I used that 14th verse. We talked about the fact that we should be shining lights in the midst of a perverse and dark world. God, I believe, during this unprecedented time that we're living in, is calling on the church 
to shine the light. Everybody say shine the light. The text says in the midst of a perverse and crooked world, God says it's time for the church to shine. It's time for the church to be the church. It's time for the church to let its light shine. And we sang that song back in the old days, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, shine, let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine. So when you're in the grocery store, come on, and somebody's fighting over some tissue, you as an EBC member, as a Christian, shouldn't be jumping in trying to pull them, pull them away so you can get the tissue. That's not letting your light shine. See, we are to let it shine. Even says, I'm not going to make it shine, but I'm going to let it shine. We have power on the inside of us. Now watch this. Go, go, go back to Philippians 2 and look at verse number 13 with me. The divine power is on the inside of us to accomplish the things that, that, that Christ Jesus our Lord did. As a matter of fact, he says, greater works than these will you do because I'm going to the Father in heaven. I've left you a power source, the Holy Ghost, that will enable you to be able to live out this Christian life. The problem that we're having today, I think, as a church is that we're trying to do this in our own strength. And guess what, guys? If you're trying to live out your Christian faith in your own strength, you won't be able to follow the example of Jesus. Because in your own strength, you can't do it. You cannot do it. Look at what the text says. Watch this. For God, read it with me. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what he pleases. Now watch this. God is working in you. He's working in us, giving us not only the desire, but he's also giving us the power to do what pleases him. So that means that I'm not on my own. I got some help. Everybody say, I got some help. I like what Paul said in Galatians 2 and 20. Let's go there right quick. And we're going to read that from the, uh, the King James Version of the Scripture. Galatians chapter number 2, verse number 20. One of my favorite passages of the Scripture. Uh, I, I memorized that passage a long time ago because I think it epitomizes how we should, amen, live this Christian walk. In the midst of darkness now, in the midst of fear, the church has been called upon, I believe, to be the shining light. That's what Paul said in Philippians. You've been called upon to be the shining light in the midst of a perverse and dark world. So, But if the church is running around scared, if the church has no hope, if the church is fearful, now again, we, we talked about last week overcoming fear, that destructive fear. Listen, there are some things that we should reverence and we should respect. And I, again, when it comes to what's happening with this virus, we ought to listen to those healthcare professionals. The scientists who are telling us how to mitigate this thing. But guys, that does not mean that we should walk in fear. Here's what I believe. I believe that many times fear comes and destructive fear becomes because we don't take a hold of our thought life. Remember the scripture text, and we're going to read this in just a second. Paul said this, he says, uh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity, amen, those thoughts unto the beatings of Christ. Basically what he's saying is that when a thought comes, when a fearful thought comes, or a negative thought comes, or a thought that's not in line with God's word comes, we got to capture that thought by putting word on it. Because the longer that you allow that thought to permeate in your mind, it'll get down in your heart. And here's how you know it's in your heart, because it starts come bubbling out of your mouth. The Bible tells us this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? Speaks. If your heart is full of something, it's going to come out of your mouth eventually. If you, when you get full, I don't care who you are, you'll start telling anybody. When the heart is full of doubt, when the heart is full of fear, it'll start coming out of your mouth. So that's how you know that your heart is full of it. So we can't allow that, those, those negative thoughts, those fearful thoughts to get down in our hearts. The way we do it is we, we put word on it. Let the word capture that thought so it doesn't get down on the inside of us. Look at, now watch it. Look at what the text says. Here's Paul talking in Galatians 2 and 20. Watch what the text says. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but he says what? Christ does what? Liveth in me. Watch this, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Now he says, I've been crucified with Christ. In other words, I'm dead to myself. 
How many of you know and you realize that if we're going to shine the light in this dark world, many of us, all of us got to die to self. We got to die to self because self may want to do some things. Self may want to say some things, but we got to die to self. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. You're not, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, Paul says here, listen, I'm no longer living for me. I'm dead to me, but I'm allowing Christ to live through me. And how many of y'all realize that God, amen, Christ Jesus wants to live in every last one of us. He wants to use us to advance his kingdom agenda. He wants to use us to allow God's word to spread throughout our communities. He wants us to shine the light. Everybody say shine the light. Come on, say it a little bit loud. Say shine the light. Shine the light. Glory to God. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. The Christian life, guys, is not a series of ups and downs. It's rather a process of ins and out. I'm going to repeat that. The Christian life is not a series of ups and downs. But rather, it's a process of in and out. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, listen, God works in and we work out. Let me say this again. God works in and then we work it out. Watch this, watch this. God works in and we work out. Everybody say, shine the light. Now, now watch it. Three things that we must understand if we're going to be uh, a light in the dark world. Three things we've got to understand. If we're going to be the shining light during times of turmoil, during times of fear, during times of a trepidation, during times where, where if, if we're honest about it, our whole way of living right now has been turned upside down. Now, listen, I, I believe, I not believe, I know for a fact that God knew this was going to happen before the world was even formed. Don't you think this got caught God by surprise? Now, it may have caught you by surprise. It may have caught me by surprise. But, but God knew exactly what was going to happen in the year 2020. We may not know it, have known it, but God knows it. It was already, amen, seen by God before it ever came. So that means that God has a plan for what's happening right now. He has a plan for his church. And part of that is, is that we learn to shine our light, to be a word of, to be a person of encouragement, a person of faith in the midst of what is happening in our society right now. So, so, so if, if we're going to shine the light, if we're going to be uh, that church that, that actually is having kingdom impact, because I don't, I don't want just to be a church that sits on a corner and doesn't impact our community. I don't want us to be a church that just sits, sits by, idly by, and has no word during times like this. Guys, I'm going to tell you. We've been, you know, we've been talking about this all along that, that the church building is not the church. How many times y'all heard me say that? Hundreds of times, a lot of times, that the building is not the church. So now, guys, we're getting a chance to see, you know, in, in a way that probably none of us envisioned, we're getting a chance to see what the true church looks like. Because if we're honest about it, many of us, if we're not careful, we would, we would allow ourselves to, to sink into this position where uh, our faith was all about gathering on Sunday morning. And really, in actuality, that was never uh, the plan and the process by which God wanted to take us through. He wanted to grow us. He wanted to come up here and, and be exhorted and to, be, to, 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 to learn and to be discipled. Come on, let's be honest. Most Christians who are sitting in church aren't being discipled. They're coming to church. They're a good church member. They're a good Baptist. They're a good Episcopalian. They're a good Pentecostal. They're a good church of God in Christ or whatever denomination that you are connected with. But it's not about being a good denominationalist. It's about allowing the word of God to have its empowering effect in us. We may not be able to do like Michael Jordan did. We may not be able to lead a team to a Super Bowl like Tom Brady did. We may not be able to win a World Series title, but we can do what Jesus Christ did. Because he said so, guys. He said, the works that I did, greater works will the church do. It's time to shine, church. Everybody say, shine the light. So, 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 so three things we got to understand. First of all, there's a purpose to achieve. Everybody say purpose to achieve. Say, say it with me out loud. Say a purpose to achieve. We got to understand it. And, and let me say this. It goes beyond just gathering on Sunday. 
I think God is, God is, is such a, uh, uh, God, God will do things. If you go through scripture, you see it all the time. In order to get you to where he needs you to be, sometimes, in many times, God has to push us toward our destiny. Let me say it again. God has to push us toward our destiny. You know, there, there are times when people, uh, God's trying to get you to, to a certain place, but we get comfortable where we are and we don't want to move. And so sometimes God will come in. I'm not saying this is what's happening right now, but there, there have been many times where God will come in and allow a person's job to be eliminated. And so because of that job elimination, that person now has to go in a different direction. And that's the direction that God was trying to push him to all along. But because they got comfortable. Come on, it's easy for us to get comfortable in the church, right? It's easy for us to say, I'm saved. My family is saved. So I don't, you know, if they don't want to hear it, then so be it. No, 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 no. No, no, no. We got a spiritual mandate to share biblical truths with those who don't know Christ. So sometimes we are pushed into our destiny. God had to push Israel into their destiny because they got comfortable and they got complacent, even to the point where they they went pursuing after other gods. So 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 there's a purpose to achieve. Uh, Look at Philippians 2 and 12 from the King James version of the scripture, Philippians 2 and 12. Work out your own salvation. Now, when when you see that, it says, wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. Now, it did not say work for salvation. It says work it out, right? Now, again, understand something. Paul, as he writes this letter, he's writing to the church at Philippi. He's writing, he's writing to save people. He's writing to people who've already made a profession of faith. And what he tells them, you got to work out what's happened to you on the inside. If you are born again, believe you're a three-part being, your spirit, soul, and body. Guess what? Your body didn't, didn't change when you got saved, right? No, no, no. Trust me, if you were 300 pounds when you walked the aisle and gave to put your hand, when you went back to your seat, gave your heart to Christ, and now you're a born again believer, get on the scales and see if you're not still 300 pounds. Come on. So your physical man does not change when you make a decision. Also understand this, many times some of the appetites that our physical man had prior to salvation are still there. But what has changed is the inside. We're spirit, soul, and body. The spirit of man, Scripture says, is the candle of the Lord. The spirit of man is what reborn. Paul said, and I think it's 2 Corinthians 5 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a what? New creature. Old things that what? Passed away, behold, all things have become new. So it's obvious that we didn't change color. We didn't change size. But there was something that took place on the inside. A spiritual rebirth, a transformation, a species of being that did not exist before. It's on the inside of us. On the inside. The spirit man is what's new. But now what Paul is saying here and what he's trying to encourage us is we got to work it to the outside. I said all the time, people on the outside will never know a transformation has taken place on the inside until they see something on the outside. Everybody say, work it out. Everybody say, shine the light. See, in the midst of this dark world, people need to see the church advancing kingdom principle. I like the way Dr. Tony Evans defined it and I repeat it all the time. He says the kingdom, the kingdom agenda is the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of our life. In other words, a visible demonstration of God's comprehensive rule. When, 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 when kingdom agenda is being advanced, people see God in how you handle your money. People see God in, in, in how you uh, treat other folks. People see God in how you do marriage. People see God in how you connect with your local church assembly. So, so we have a responsibility to shine it, to work it out. Everybody say work it out. So he's talking to born again believers here as he tells them uh, to, to work out your salvation. The word work out carries the meaning of, of work to full completion. Such as working a math problem. How many of y'all when you were in, in school and your math teacher told you to show your work? How many of y'all remember that? You, you have to show all your steps in your work because, see, see, it, it'd be too easy to, to guess the answer. It'd be too easy 
to look over to your, to your neighbor's paper and copy down an answer. But if you got to show it to full completion, you got to work it out. You got to work all the steps of the problem. Then that math teacher is going to know that you understand the math concept. So it says work it out. Amen. Work it out. In Paul's day, it was all, the term work out was also used for working a mine. That is getting out of the mine all of the valuable ore or whatever minerals, gold, silver, whatever that was in that mine. Working it, or it, it has the concept of working a field, okay, to get the greatest harvest possible. The purpose God wants us to achieve is Christ likeness. Can y'all repeat that? Let me say Christ likeness. God is looking for us to exhibit Christ likeness. Let's, let's go to Romans, the eighth chapter, the 29th verse. There's a purpose to achieve. Purpose to achieve. We've got to understand that. Being a part of a ministry is not about just coming and sitting and serving. I told you on last week, God wants our doing for him to flow out of our time being with him. If my doing for God is not flowing out of my time being with God, then eventually I'm going to do some messed up stuff. Because I'm doing it in my own strength. I'm not allowing the word of God to lead me. So my, my, my doing for God should be a byproduct of my time being spent with God. Look at what the text says. Watch it. Let's read it. Come on, let's read it. Let's, we got to read it, guys. It says, for, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Let's look at that from the New Living Translation right quick. And, and, and I like the way it reads. Watch the text. Now, listen, listen, listen real carefully. He's talking about us. He's talking about the church. He's talking about us shining the light. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He chose us to become like his son. So, so people say, I can't be like Jesus. Yes, you can. If you couldn't, God would have said he chose us to become the express image of his dear son. So the more we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to have its work in us, the more we become transformed to be like Christ. So God wants us to be like Christ. He wants us to do the work that he did. He wants us to be that shining example in a dark world, a shining example. One, guys, the prop, you know, there are problems in life, but, but God will help us to work them out. Y'all know that? In our lives, all of us got tremendous potential, okay? And God wants to help us fulfill that potential, especially during a time like this. It's time for the church to shine radiantly into this dark world. That's what Paul told us in Philippians chapter number two. So, but we got to understand uh, that there's a purpose to achieve. It's not just to come to church. It's not just to, to, to say I got perfect attendance. It's about, amen, letting the light of the gospel shine through us. One of the wonderful things about being a Christian is the knowledge that God has a plan for our lives and will help us to work it out for his glory. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10 from the NLT. Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 10. I need y'all to pay attention to me. Now watch this now because uh, there's a purpose to achieve. And that purpose is Christ's likeness. And when we operate like Christ, we're shining the light. God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Listen, none of us are good enough to get to heaven. But thank God that he gave his son to die on the cross for our sins. Thank God for his sacrificial death and us accepting that we can have right relationship with God. God saved you by his grace. When you believe and you can't take credit for this, it is a gift from God. Look at verse nine. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. Anytime you find somebody bragging about how much they do, watch out. Anytime you got somebody going around, well, I did this and I did this and I did this and I'm this and I, I and I and I'm you narcissistic person. We got to deal with you because it ain't about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ being lifted up. So none of us can boast about it. Look at verse 10. Watch this. For we are God's masterpiece. How many of y'all know that God considers you to be a masterpiece? He does this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So, again, we may not be able to follow the example that Michael Jordan said or Tom Brady or Kobe Bryant or whoever, whatever great athlete or uh, a Muhammad Ali or whatever. I mean, I can't follow that example, but guess what? We can follow the example of Christ Jesus because we've been empowered 
We have a power source that enables us to express the image of God's dear son. We're not, we're, we're not supposed to be cheap imitations, guys, of other people, especially great Christians. You got to be very careful about that, even when it comes to ministry or preachers want to follow and be just like another, another preacher. Listen, I, here's what I'm very comfortable in. I'm comfortable in my own skin. And, and, and any minister, any ministry worker has to be comfortable in who God has made you to be. I'm not trying to be like Billy Graham. Thank God for Billy Graham and his ministry. But I'm not trying to be like Billy Graham. I'm not trying to be like T.D. Jakes. I'm not trying to be like my friend John Freeman Cypress. I'm Doyle Adams. And like that Dove commercial says, I'm very comfortable in my own skin. So I can go to a conference. I can go to a revival. And I'm not going to try to change my voice to talk like the preacher. Yeah, and the Lord said. No, no, no. I am Doyle Adams, and I'm going to be comfortable in my own skin. And see, when you can get to that point to where you're comfortable in your own skin, then God can use you like he wants to use you, and you don't have to be imitating somebody else. Our ministry is going to be flowing like God gave us to flow. So your ministry may flow differently, more power to you. If you're, if you're getting people saved and you're discipling them, hey, man, we're on the same team. I'm happy for you. We're not going to get mad because God blesses your church to grow. Hey, we're on the same team. Can I get a witness? Now watch this. Watch this. So we're not to be cheap imitation of other people. We're supposed to follow Christ. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am a Christ, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11 and 1. Every great saint got faults. Nobody in here has not fallen at some point in time since you've been saved. So, so, so I'm going to tell you right now, your I, I, I'm, I'm going to follow Christ. You follow me as I follow Christ. When you, in, anytime you start placing a man or a woman in a place that they should not be, when that man or woman falls, then you'll fall. Christ Jesus is our example. Can I get a witness? And God has given us the strength to be able to overcome it. All right? Let, let's get back to Philippians 2 and 14 right quick. See, he tells us that, that uh, uh, we're, we're to achieve this purpose per, this purpose, this Christ-likeness, we are to shine the light in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. The world, the world system, uh, guys, is not how we operate. Now, we're in the world, but we should not be of the world. We're people of faith, okay? And faith, faith means that, that I'm going to move on some things that I may not be able to see in the natural. But I can't move on some things that I may not see in the natural if I don't have faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. So if I have no word, I won't have any faith. I may have religion, but religion don't do you any good in times of turmoil. You need to have faith. Everybody say faith. All right. So 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 there's a purpose to achieve. Okay. Uh, The world may be dark, but Christians should shine like bright lights in this world. So, So second thing. Okay. We want to make points. So first thing we said was what? We said, number one, uh, we got to understand that there's a purpose to achieve. That purpose is, is Christ-likeness. We got to follow the example of Christ because he empowers us to do his work. Amen? It's not by, you know, you know when we do this work, we, we're not going to leave this world because we, we live in this world. But, but we're going to minister to this world. And, and, and when we minister to this world, we're going to see God's purpose fulfilled in our lives. Because God is, God is calling the church to reach out to the world. Okay? So any church that only is comfortable with coming and sitting on Sunday and then going home and then dispersing and not allowing what they learn to be played out in their everyday life, uh, I don't think those are going to have very much impact in these last days that we're living in. I purposely, I, 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 I believe that we're in a time period. Uh, as a matter of fact, I know when Jesus rose from the, from the dead and ascended back up in heaven, that began the last day period. Because, again, God don't mark time like we do. The Bible says one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. And so Jesus Christ, when you look at it from that vantage point, he's only been gone by three days. If you look at it literally like that. So, so God is not bound by time. And so we as a body of believers, it may got to understand that we got to trust the one who saved us. So, so, so second thing is we got to understand there's a power to receive. We got to receive some power. Philippians 2 and 13. Go, go, with, go with it right quick. Let's look at that right quick. Apostle Paul lays, uh, the Apostle Paul lays down a, a principle here. God must work in us before he can work through us. I need y'all to repeat that. We say God must work in me 
Come on, say it with me. Say, God must work in me before he can work through me. Now, I can do some stuff on my own. You can preach on your own. You can put together a, a sermon, get your introduction, your, your body, your text, and your closing, and you can do all that, but God may not even be in the middle of that. And I don't want to be guilty ever of sharing a word where God is not empowering me. I don't want to do it in my own strength. I want the Holy Spirit to do his work in me. There's a power to receive. Because we, if we're going to be the follow example of Christ, we've got to be empowered to do so. Now, now th- this, this principle is seen at work throughout the Bible in the lives of men like Moses and David and the apostles and others. God had a special purpose for each, each man and woman to fulfill. And each man was unique and not an imitation of somebody else. God delivered me from fake people. God delivered me from people who don't know who they are, so they try to become somebody else. Listen, God made you uniquely you, and your individual personality, your individual uh, way of doing things are unique to you. Listen, that's, that's fine. Now, in all that, let me say this. We all are supposed to be coming more and more like Christ, but in our own individual unique way. So listen, if you, if you were a comical person before you got saved, now you don't have to go around all tight lipped like, I'm serious. I can't tell no jokes. I'm saved now. No, 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 no. Let God use your personality. Amen? Let God use you and the way he's made you to reach some people that I may not be able to reach. But that's a power to receive. God is more interested in us as workmen than he is in the work. Because through the work, he's trying to change us. If the workman is what he ought to be or what we ought to be, then the work will be what it ought to be. So we got, we got to become who God wants us to be. Too many Christians obey God only because of pressure on the outside and not from power on the inside. And Paul warned the Philippians that it should not be just about his presence with them. Look at what he says. Uh, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He's giving you the desire and the power. Now, can we be honest? There have been some times in your, in your life and since you've been saved, and, and usually it's during those times when we disconnect from our fellowship with God, where the desire to do what God wants us to do is not there. How many of y'all have ever been guilty of coming to church because it was you were obligated to do certain things, but you really were not thinking about Jesus, when he, what the word of God says about assembling together to learn, to grow, and to be disciples. You came out of obligation. Every time we step up in here, and again, now, since we can't step up in here now, we ought to be able to appreciate even more when we come together. But come together with the right mindset that I'm coming to learn something, to take something home with me that I can begin to apply into my life every day of the week. There's a power to receive, man. Don't just obey in somebody's presence. Look, look, go back to verse number 12 right quick. Let's look at this right quick. It says, dear friend, you always follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. How many of y'all remember in, in, in your childhood days where you would be obedient if mom or daddy was around? But as soon as mom and daddy turned their back, you start doing whatever you want to do that was in direct opposition to what they told you to do. See, many times in church, we have people who, when they're in front of the pastor, well, it used to be that way. People don't even care now. They'll do it in front of the pastor. They'll cuss you out in front of the pastor. They used to respect it, but now people don't even respect the house of God anymore. So, so, but, but most of the time, people will do what they see, what they think is right when people are watching. But God says, Paul says here, don't just do it while I'm with you. Even while I'm away from you, make sure you're obeying, amen, the Holy Scriptures and following and being that example, shining the light in the midst of a dark world. See, there's a power that we got to receive. If we're going to do this effectively, if we got number one, we got to understand there's a purpose to achieve. Number two, there's a power that we got to receive, the power of the Holy Spirit. Guys, if we're not careful, we'll have a tendency to be men pleasers. In other words, we obey God only when others are watching. But when you surrender to the power of God within you, then obedience becomes a delight and not a battle. I'm reminded of, uh, uh, go with me to Luke, the fifth chapter. I'm going to see a progression real quickly. I got to move. I need you to move with Luke 5 and 5. Um, let's look at that right quick. Let's look at Peter's progression because there was a point in time when 
Peter reluctantly obeyed. Uh, y'all remember the time when, when, when the crowd had began to press in upon Jesus and he needed a way to minister to them? Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, look at verse number one when we write it. Verse one, let's read. Back up to verse one. It says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word. People were trying to get to Jesus to listen to word. Why do you come to church? Why are you tuned in today? Is it to listen to the word or just do it because your pastor asks you to? He says they pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. Now look at verse, verse number two, because I believe that, that we ought to have an environment and a climate in our church where people are, are running to get a seat so they can hear what God has to say. He, he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Watch this. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, his owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Jesus asked Simon Peter, let me use your boat for a pulpit. In other words, whatever you got, let's make it available for Christ to use to reach people. He says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now, 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 listen, go out where it is deeper and let down your nest to catch some fish. Now, here's Jesus, the word of God, word manifesting the flesh, the power of God. God wrapped the human flesh, telling him, giving him an instruction that contradicts his way of doing business. How many of you know sometimes God will give you a paradigm shift? Peter and these boys were commercial fishermen and they customarily fished at night and they customarily fished, amen, in, 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 in the deep part of the water. Watch what the text says. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is. They, they, they customarily fish in the shallow part. But now Jesus says, okay, you fish at night, but fish in the daytime. You fish in uh, the shallow water, but go out to the deep and let down your nest to catch some fish. They hear this carpenter is telling these fishermen how to fish. That's kind of like you going to your doctor's office and don't know nothing about medicine, but you'll look some stuff up online. Come on, all you self-medicating folk out there. Don't know nothing about this. And you go in and tell your doctor how to treat you because you saw something on some website that had no validity. Stop that, people. Come on now. Watch this. Watch this. He says, Master. Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch thing. Here he is, reluctantly obeying. He ultimately does what Jesus tells him and asks him to do because it's different than what he was used to. Really, if you think about it, I think people are saying, you know, this carpenter don't know what he's talking about. Man, I've been fishing all my life. I know how to catch fish, and we didn't catch anything all night. We're tired. We're ready to go home and get some rest. But here you are, Jesus, telling us to launch out into the deep. People, we don't, Jesus, we don't fish in the deep and we don't fish in the daytime. But how many of you know when you get a word from the master, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care who said you can't do it. When God gives you a word, you better launch out and stand on that word and begin to be obedient to that word. Watch what happens. Watch this. But he said, if you say so, <laughs> I, I really don't think you know what you're talking about. But if you say so, I'll let down the nest again. Watch this, watch this. Text says this, and this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. Verse 7 says what? Uh, a shout for help brought their partners into the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. This is that nevertheless obedience there. He was doubtful. He had some trepidation about what Jesus told him, but he obeyed, and he was blessed. Now, you, if you fast forward later on, here this very same Peter. When Jesus had been uh, arrested by the, the, the Roman uh, guards and because of some trumped up charges by these Jewish leaders, uh, here Jesus, Peter was warming by the fire and uh, they came out and said, are you with Jesus? He said, no, uh-uh, I, don't, I don't know him. And then the second person said, yeah, you kind of sound like them. You, your voice kind of gives you away. Your, your, your mannerism gives you away. You've been with Jesus. No, I ain't. Then somebody else came along and Peter cursed and said, blank, 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 I don't know the man. Then the, 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 the rooster crowed and then all of a sudden he remembered the words of Christ. He's that very same Jesus, Peter here, who obeyed but nevertheless, now he's denying the Christ. But if you go over to the book of Acts, watch it, we, we, we're looking at this progression. When you go to the book of Acts, 
uh, in, in Acts the third chapter, verse one through 16, you see Peter letting the power work through him as he and John go and meet this guy who's at the gate. And now Peter had transformed from being the one who was, who reluctantly and obeyed Christ Jesus when he didn't think Jesus knew what he was talking about to denying him to now in the book of Acts, this very same Peter is now empowered by the Holy Ghost. He had the power source now, guys. That's the difference between Peter and Acts and the Peter uh, in Luke 5 and the Peter uh, who, who denied Christ. Now he was empowered to do the work. And so our example, Christ Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going I'm to send you a power source, the Holy Ghost, who will give you the ability to do the work that I told you to do. So he went from, from nevertheless, reluctantly obeying to denying him to now in the book of Acts. You see him all through Acts having great kingdom impact because he was empowered to follow the example. The power that works in us is the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who empowered Christ when he was ministering on earth can empower us as well. So so there's a power to receive. And lastly, guys, lastly, now with that power to receive, let, let, let me say some. God uses some tools to get us, amen, to work along with him in our life. The first tool they use is the word of God. The word of God. First Thessalonians 2 and 13 says that, that those Thessalonians believers receive the word as it was the word of God. Pop up First Thessalonians 2 and 13 with me right quick. Because God's divine energy is released in our lives through his inspired word. That same word that spoke the universe into being can release divine power in our lives so we can accomplish the thing that God wants us to accomplish. So we can shine the light. Watch this. Therefore, Watch this. Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you receive his message from us, look at what Paul said to the Thessalonians believers. When you receive his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is. And this word continues to work where in you who believe. That's why it's so critically important that any church that's open in the name of Christ, amen, have good, solid Bible preaching and Bible teaching. Because it's the word that works in us that enables us to shine the light and be the example that God says we could be, guys. So, so God, the, one or two to use is the word of God, amen. But, but, but not, my, you can come and hear word, but you got to have, we got a responsibility to, to appreciate the word and not treat it the way we treat the words of just men, guys. The word of God is unique. It's inspired. It's authoritative. It's infallible. And if we do not appreciate the word, then God's power cannot energize our lives. The word of God empowers us, but we got to receive it as the word of God. But we got to also appropriate that word. We got to receive it. You can come to church and hear me preach or hear another preacher preach and sit there and amen, but not never receive that word. Here's how you know you received it. When you govern your life according to it. If I get a word on, on praying for those who despitefully use me, the next time somebody despitefully use me, when somebody despitefully use you, that means they meant to do it. It was no accident. They tried to mess you up. Now, will you? Pray for that person. Some of y'all are like, well, bro, Pastor, I don't know about that. Well, listen, what, what does word say? Word say pray for those who despitefully use you. Are you willing to do that? See, that's, you know you're receiving the word when it's being appropriate in your life. And we got to apply that word because it only works, it works only in those that believe. If you don't believe what's coming forth from the Bible, then that word won't work for you. So he uses the word of God, he uses prayer. And he uses suffering. Those are two, word of God, prayer, and suffering. The spirit of God works in a special way in the lives of those who suffer for the glory of Christ. Paul, when he writes this text, guys, was suffering because of his stand for Christ. He was in a Roman jail, in a Roman jail, but yet he was rejoicing, guys, because God was using his, his, he was using his predicament to advance the kingdom principles, to spread the word of God. So God will allow fiery trials to come our way as a way of burning away some stuff in us and empowering us to serve Christ better. There are times when, guys, we got stuff in us that need to be burnt out, and God says, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm about to send a fiery trial because you, you stopped listening to Doyle Adams a long time ago. You stopped listening to preaching. You stopped reading your Bible. So guess what? Since you ain't listening to somebody, anybody, I, I'm going to bring some things in your life that will help you focus on me. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had God, amen, bring some things in my life to bring my focus back to him. And it's amazing how my prayer life is more fervent when I'm going through something. Amen. 
So if we are to have the submissive mind and the joy that goes with it, we got to recognize that there is a purpose to achieve, there's a power to receive, and lastly, there's a promise to believe. Everybody say promise to believe. If you're going to shine a light, you got to realize there's a promise that we have to believe. What is this promise? Well, that joy comes from my submissive mind. Let's go, go, to, go to Philippians 2, 16 and 18. See, there's a twofold joy that comes to a person who possesses and practices the submissive mind. You're going to have joy on the other side, but guess what, guys? Uh, You're going to also have joy in the here and now. See, we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to experience joy. We can experience joy on this side of heaven. The church and believers ought to be that shining, radiant light all the time. We should not be up, down, and level to the ground. We should be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. There's a promise that we have to believe. Look at what the text says. Hold firm to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, he's coming back, y'all. I'll be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Paul says, listen, you, you, you got you, you to run this race. You got you to make sure you hold firmly to the word of life. So when Christ comes back, I, I, I'll be able to hold you out as, my, as the fruit of my labor. Watch what he says in verse 17. Come on, let's read. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life. Guys, look, 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 look at this. Pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Watch this. He said, even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Verse 18, and we're going to close it. yes. You should rejoice, and I will share your joy. So lastly, there's a promise to believe. When we have the submissive mind like Paul had in this second chapter of Philippians, uh, you're going to discover that, that, that you can have joy in the midst of suffering. You can have joy in the midst of a precarious situation. You can have joy and let your light shine even in the midst of a coronavirus outbreak because we need to be that light that shines. Jesus gave us the power to follow his example. He didn't leave us comfortless. And so we can look at his example and then we can count on his Holy Spirit to work in us. And so when we allow it to happen, here's what happened. We make that decision, then now we work it out. As we become disciples, as we learn, as we get in our word, and as we allow the Holy Spirit to have his perfecting work in us. Shine the light. Everybody say, shine the light. Won't you bow me right quick for the word prayer. Father, we thank you and we praise you.